Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, what's up, New Orleans? What's up across the Gulf South? And what's up to you listening wherever you are tonight at WWL.com, the Radio.com app. First super crew of Mardi Gras rolling right now. Nix, the crew of Nix, one of the all-female parades here in New Orleans. One of my favorites. Not able to see it tonight. Might get a check out Muses tomorrow as I'm doing sports talk. But it's a super crew night, and we're going to have a fabulous night here on this show also. LSU baseball's in action right now over at the box. They're taking on Southern. And at the end of the third inning, the last update, we had 12 nothing LSU on the back of four Southern airs, 10 hits for LSU. As expected, they're rolling right now as LSU tries to remain unbeaten on the year. We're going to, if we can, uh, take some live listenings throughout the show to that game over at the box. We took Will Wade's, uh, the Will Wade show on the station. Uh, no LSU baseball, uh, but we do have the rights to play some of that for you tonight. So we will probably do that. Scott Alexander is going to join us here in just a little bit. We'll talk Pelicans. Pelicans in action later tonight in Los Angeles. Anthony Davis is expected to play there against L.A. when he did not play against the Lakers in New Orleans last weekend. We've also got Deuce McAllister on second half of the hour, about 8.35 as we dive into Saints free agency and the NFL combine and the owners' meetings. And the owners' meetings just continue to get weird for everybody here in New Orleans with competition committee chairman Rich McKay and also uh, uh, Mara for the Giants uh, uh, talking about not a lot of support for rule changes, instant replay changes, which seems... Uh, fairly silly to me, but we'll get into that in just a little bit. Also, Carter Bryant, Carter the Power in the 9 p.m. hour. We've got, since it's look our final night of the last lap of the week here, we've got uh, syndicated programming in the next two days that will be in on Sports Talk. That means final day. We'll have a two-minute drill. We'll also have Sports Libs later tonight. So that's the show. Text line is 87870, and the phone line's open at 504-260-1870. And LSU almost got some big help from Ole Miss on the basketball court. Ole Miss was leading Tennessee by three points with under 20 seconds left. But the Volunteers come back to win. You had a missed uh, free throw from Ole Miss with 17 seconds left. Tennessee, the rebound. Grant Williams nails a jumper with four seconds left. Foul, then a tech on Ole Miss. And that was all she wrote. 73-71 Tennessee. Goes back into a tie with Kentucky and LSU in the SEC Conference standings. LSU, of course, winning yesterday against Texas A&M, 66-55 without Tremont Waters. So let's talk a little LSU hoops. We'll talk Pelicans, too, as Scott Alexander comes on into the program, our buddy and host of Primetime Sports on CST and WLAE TV. Scott's also the COO of NOLA Gold Rugby. Scotty, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, Seth, guess who I'm sitting by right now at the UNO basketball game? None other than your former co-host, T-Bob Hebert. Ah, uh, he tells give, me give him a big hello. elbow. Give, give him a big elbow in, in the ribs if you're sitting right now. <laughs> as long as he doesn't give me an elbow back, we're fine. <laughs> <Your boy laughs> What's going Chris. on at UNO tonight, man? 
Man, they're playing the number one team. You you know, UNO is in sole possession of second place right now. 13 teams in the Southland. They're 11 and four. They're playing the 14 and one team. It's been tight up and down the whole way. Now they, they just went down 10 early in the second half. But, you know, UNO's won seven of eight, so hopefully they can come back. But I heard you mention LSU. I was there last night. Um, you know, not quite as exciting as the Tennessee game, you know, a few days before. But, but still, they opened the game with four straight dunks. And um, they're, they're proving themselves to be worthy of a potential, you know, one, two, or well, maybe one's a long shot, but two, three, four seeds in, in the tournament oh, yeah. coming up in a few weeks. No doubt about it. Two or three seems extremely likely right now, especially if LSU ends up in a tie or sole uh, conference regular season title, 13-2 and two in conference, 23-5 and five overall. And again, impressive here. I Look, I know it was sloppy. There's a lot been talked about today, Scott, about the poor shooting for LSU. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But when you win back-to-back games without your leader and without your point guard, I think you probably take that no matter the final score your shooting was, right? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, it was a little bit alarming to see how poorly they shot because I remember – Going in, listening to uh, some folks talk about them not being a good outside shooting team, and I kind of took a little bit of umbrage because they seem to hit big shots. But man, were they proven right? But you know what? This team's so athletic, and I, I haven't gotten up to Baton Rouge as many times as I'd like. I think it's only my fourth home game. But from the game I went early in the season when they beat Memphis to where they are now, I mean, just it's like night and day. I mean, you know, Bigby Williams in the middle has his solidified what I thought was their biggest dearth. I mean, a guy that can protect the rim, a guy that can block shots, a guy that's pretty adept with, you know, either hand around the rim on the offensive side and hits free throws. You know, he's not going to be the guy anybody talks about when you start the highlight reel. But to me, he's become one of the more important players on this team. And, you know, they can withstand a loss like Tremont Waters and still look very good. Yeah, it's it's about their bigs, or it has been the last few weeks for me, Scott, because you, you're right. Uh, Bigby Williams has played uh, exceptional basketball here the last couple of weeks. A double-double last night, 10 points, 11 rebounds. You also have Nas Reed. We know about Nas. Struggled against Tennessee, but was their leading scorer yesterday. But the bigs are so athletic when you throw Emmett Williams in there as well. They're really able to match up with anybody in the country uh, in the uh, in the front court. Um with their athleticism, I think it's impressive, and I think it's one of the reasons why they, they might make a run in March. Yeah, I think, you know, that you said it best, matching up, because, you know, when, when Waters comes back, you have eight regular players. I mean, guys that will play fairly equal time, and, and they all do kind of different things. I mean, you have, you know, two guys that are that can play the point, and we had Skylar Mays with Tremont Waters. I mean, he, you don't want him to ever be your point guard, but that is a nice emergency third point guard you got guys that can score from the perimeter. I mean, I'm talking not, you know, the 15, 18-footer. But you've also got the inside game, which LSU didn't have a whole lot of in recent years. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, Duop Reef is not going to scare too many folks. But Emmett Williams plays way above his 6'7 height. I already talked about Big Williams, who, by the way, I mean, we remember when Oregon was in the Final Four a couple of years ago. He was just kind of a bit, bit player on that team, a little awkward at times, a little clumsy. He has really come along. But obviously, Nas Reed. I mean, it's interesting with Nas because at first he didn't want to rebound early in the season. He just wanted to stay on the perimeter, possibly show off his, you know, his skills for the NBA. Uh, but the fact is, even with a bad game against Tennessee, you see the 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 obvious skills he has. But he doesn't have the big man like killer instinct that you'd like. So there's still room for improvement. But that's the scary thing about this team is I can see improvement with three or four of their main players getting better even in the next three or four weeks because they are certainly not peaked yet. That's that's a good thing for LSU Tiger fans. It's 
Uh, Scott Alexander, host of Primetime Sports on WLAE and CST Television, at DScottAlexander uh, on Twitter. Scott, you know this. Uh, two real big indicators and predictors of NCAA tournament success is your guard play, your ability to shoot the three, but also um, the athleticism you have in your front court. And that's why I brought up the athleticism when we touched on their poor shooting uh, from beyond the arc. Uh, only two of 19 yesterday, but I think they're 13th in the SEC conference shooting the three. Uh, so they just haven't done that. But that's a kind of a, a little um, opposite dichotomy there with such a good front court play and the inability to shoot the three. Um, do you see, are you concerned about their possibility to make a deep tournament run when you're just not able to, to shoot the ball like the, the better tournament teams can? Well, that and inexperience. I mean, obviously, that's why I like teams like Tennessee because when you have guys that have been there together for three years or so, like they have with Schofield, obviously – point guard bone and i mean we all know about uh grant williams but the fact is is the athleticism is so off the charts with these guys i mean and, and to me the most important of the things that you talked about is backcourt play and you've got a guy like waters who's super experienced in this fact i mean i say two years this is this is probably the best point guard in the league i mean does it translate at five foot nine you know to the nba i don't know but the fact is, is the, the emergence of Smart, the way he's playing, and Marlon Taylor is just crazy athletic. I was an NBA agent for nine years, and he has every bit of the NBA, let's just say the athleticism that you want from a player. He might not have the basketball acumen or IQ yet, but my goodness, man, they have a nice mix of guys that can do different things. And let's not mistake anything. If Tremont Waters is in that game, everybody's shooting better because their shots are a little more open because they have to, like, get on him. He's the one guy that can drill shots all over the field, all, all over the court. So if he's on the court, that means everybody's going to have a better shot at being a little more open, correct? And so 2 of 19 is a little bit shocking when you look at it, but not overall surprising when you say, hey, man, you know, with Waters out, and they had the big lead, man. They were up 34-13. So they were kind of freelancing it. And, uh, and I remember one time looking at it, they were shooting 7%. Uh, from three, I think they're like, you know, maybe one of 11 or 12. Uh, and I'm just like, wow, this seems not hitting, but they're still up by 20. That's a good sign because you, when you can't hit a shot, literally, and you're still winning uh, against an SEC team, that's not terrible. It's not one of these, uh, you know, one in 13 teams. Texas A&M is not great, but they've certainly been playing better of late. It's a very good sign for going into the next month, which is the most important one. When you look across college basketball, who, who are your favorites right now uh, to make deep runs? And I know I, I, we don't even need to talk about, like, the Duke and Zaga, Virginia. I mean, those three, I think everybody's in agreement, uh, three of the best teams in college basketball. But outside of that, anybody you really like? Well, I mean, listen, Michigan State would have been right there with them before the Langford injury. I would have been all over that team because they are so experienced and, and so well coached. And I did a game, big games in Vegas. And that's a big hit, but they still have Cassius. They still have the big guys. Uh, they are going to be dangerous right all along with those others. Uh, you know, I laughed. when. Remember before I went to that Vegas tournament? Uh, literally, that's when Gonzaga yeah. beat Duke, and, and you're a Gonzaga guy. You love them. And I said, I'm all over Gonzaga. Everybody was talking about how Duke could not lose a game. Well, they got beat. They got beat pretty well. And Gonzaga, to me, is the team that, A, I'm going to root for, uh, other than LSU, of course. And, B, I just like the way they play basketball. Duke's super exciting. I have to take nothing away from what they've got. And Virginia, man, they play extremely good basketball. They seem to have the Duke bugaboo. But when you talk about the other teams, like, man, you can't ever count out a John Beeline team, man. Michigan, 
you know that they will peak. I had a feeling they were going to get beat uh, like they did against Michigan State, even though they were at home the other day. But when it comes to tournament time, I will never discount that team. And as far as sleepers, man, let me say this. Nevada, uh, I know that it can't be a sleeper when they're ranked sixth in the country, but golly, they have a great coach in Musselman. Uh, I mean, a guy that's as good as any X and O coach in the country, and they have two brothers plus a, a third that all will have a shot at playing in the NBA. They are that good. So if you're looking for a nice little dark horse, that would be the one. You know who I really like, Scott, and I mean really like? I, th- I could see him winning this whole thing again. Uh, North Carolina with the senior Cameron Johnson and Luke May, those two guys, the freshman Colby Wyatt. I just think that North Carolina, what are they, fifth in the country right now? They still seem to somehow, I don't know how the Tar Heels are undervalued, man. It seems like they are because everybody's talking about all those other teams. We just well, look, Can I say something about that? Yeah. Not that I would wager real money, wink, wink, but I had them plus nine, and then I had them on the money line pretty hefty at plus like 350 to beat Duke and I wasn't surprised when they did it in Cameron I mean granted Zion went down but they destroyed Duke and and I did that was another team in that tournament I worked at in Vegas it was them Michigan State like I mentioned before Texas and UCLA North Carolina when they are rolling they are so freaking dangerous and when you have some of these guys uh, like Kobe White man I mean this guy was going nuts he had 36 in the game out there uh, in Vegas but they have some other kind of unsung players that you didn't mention, but when they start playing downhill, it's lights out. So that is one. I don't have anything in front of me. You have to realize I'm at the UNO game. If I was looking at it, they would have certainly been included because this is one year. Usually they're a little bit overvalued in my book, but you're right. Until they beat Duke, they were tremendously undervalued, and and they are certainly damaged with a nice mix of experience with some really good, youthful players. Yeah, indeed. That's one team I would want no part of uh, come March. Uh, what's going on with it? uh, Nola Gold, man? Uh, I know you're still heavily involved in that, obviously, but things have maybe settled down a little bit now that the season's rolling. The season is rolling. We had four straight home games, which is crazy. I mean, because, I mean, listen, as the new COO and also the voice of the team, I'm learning how to call the game, and that's hard enough because I didn't know anything about it, but I am addicted to the sport now. I mean, I can't tell you how hooked I am on it, not just because I'm working for them. It's so much fun, and these guys are such great athletes and good guys, and, and like that's a compliment you don't always get in professional sports because they got some of the best players from around the world, World Cup players. They're, it's in Japan this year. We're going to have seven of the players playing in the World Cup. That is giant for an American league, and it's only the second year of the MLR. But uh, in Plus, you have an Olympian, Con Foley. It's just very exciting times. They started the season 3-0. and they had a heartbreaking fourth loss. I mean, fourth game with the loss to New York. They were up 85 to 90 percent of the game. They had like a, the equivalent of honestly the uh, the Tommy Lee Lewis call the way they lost. I mean, everybody was. I, I don't even know rugby, and I'm like, how could that call be made? It was that obvious. But no, no sour grapes. They're three and one. They're still first place in this league, and I expect them to go way far. They got two road games. They had a bye this past week. They have a road game against Utah on Saturday, which you can watch on CST at 9 p.m., another bye, and then they play a road game, and they'll be back on the 23rd where Bobby Bear, T-Bob Bear, they're all coming to the game, and I hope Seth Dunlap, you join them uh-huh. in the VIP tab. Hey, Thank right. Garrett. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take you up on that after. It's Scott Alexander, host of Primetime Sports on WLAE-TV and CST. Oh, by the way, I saw you had Delvin Bro on your show uh, this week, man. By the way, yes, I did. What a great guy he is. He was on my very first show, Seth, literally um, three years ago because I started my fourth season. It was him and Jabari Greer and, and Dale Brown. But he came on, 
and it was fabulous. He's doing amazing. You know, you could see that deep down he's hurt what happened with the Saints, but he is happy. He's the highest paid defensive player in the history of the CFL, which is where he got his real start. And we know he played with the Voodoo for three games, and we know he played these little leagues, but that's where he became a star. And he's happy to be back with the Hamilton Tiger Cats and just doing very well. Tremendous guy. And uh, he actually lives right by the studio. When I told him where it was, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm black away. I'll be there. <laughs> so it was awesome. And, you know, you know, this came on. John Brady came with Chris Blair, who we all hear on WWL when the LSU Tigers play. And we had Scott Plaisance, who plays for UNO, who I'm watching tonight right now with his mom, Doobie Plaisance, who is the Nichols head coach. He went through the NCAA tournament last year. So we had a great, great show. And it's going to be on tomorrow at, 11, at 10 o'clock on on WLAE and again on Sunday the replays uh, at 11 p.m. on Sunday so check it out if you can well Scott always appreciate the time man and again uh, give T-Bob a little uh, elbow to the kidneys and sell him uh, I said I'm gonna give him hard right right to the liver all right right, there he goes Scott Alexander CSTWLAE TV and at D Scott Alexander on Twitter we're opening up the phone lines for your calls now, 504-260-1870, text line 87870. What do you think about LSU hoops? They don't get any help tonight. Tennessee comes back. They beat Ole Miss. That means Tennessee, LSU, Kentucky still tied atop the SEC conference standings. What do you make of LSU's poor shooting? 13th in the conference in three-point percentage. Nas uh, Reed had a bounce-back day. Tremont Waters still out. We'd love to hear from you, 504-260-1870. It's Seth Dunlap, and this is the last lap on WWL. Welcome back to the show. Talk a little LSU hoops here. Before we switch focus, we'll talk Saints, Saints offseason, NFL competition committee, second half of the hour. Deuce McAllister coming on into the program. The National Coach of the Year semifinalists were unveiled today. Naismith Coach of the Year candidates and two notable snubs in the SEC, and yes, Will Wade not on this list. I don't know how Will Wade doesn't make this list. John Calipari also not on this list. Some of the guys who were uh, Mark View at Gonzaga, Rick Barnes at Tennessee, John Beeline, Michigan. You had Tony Bennett at Virginia, Mike Krzyzewski at Duke, and Roy Williams at North Carolina. Likely one of those coaches is going to win this thing. Uh, some other guys, Mike Young, Nate Oates, Matt Painter, and Kelvin Sampson. Kelvin Sampson is over there at Houston. He might also have a chance to win a fantastic uh, year there. 504-260-1870. If you want to hop on in, text line is 870-870. We'll take a break. Back with Deuce McAllister after this break. Biggest live sporting event of the night is in the city of New Orleans. UNO taking on Sam Houston, and right now Sam Houston, number one team in the Southland. They're running away from UNO, 57-43 in the second half, halfway through uh, the second half, 934 to play. So Sam Houston opening it up a little bit. I'll keep you updated on that. Also, a live listening of LSU baseball against Southern. LSU baseball was up uh, a dozen runs just a little bit ago. In the fourth inning of that game, we'll have a live listen in this hour and a live listen in next hour. But first, got to get to Deuce. Deuce McAllister, the voice of the Saints, former Saints running back at D. McAllister 26, comes on into the program to talk a little Saints free agency, a combine, the competition committee. Deuce, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Well, I'm, I'm fussing about the Ole Miss-Tennessee game. So, hey, uh, I felt like Ole Miss should have won that game. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to watch it, but it's build up. Tennessee plays Kentucky this weekend. Ole Miss is playing for seeding. 
uh, Tennessee ranked right now the number seven team, and Ole Miss had a chance to win it there. Uh, one of the best players, Bree Tyree, had an opportunity to hit a one and one, and he missed the front end of a one and one. I think it was uh, Grant. I think it was Williams, player of the year in SEC. He goes down and he hits a big shot, and they end up losing the game. So I'm fussing about that one right now. But how you doing, man? Yeah, look, I'm good. I saw the the, the charge when Kermit uh, when Kermit Davis. Uh, I think he got teed up there, jacket off, all sweaty, man. Uh, no more bad calls at the end of that one. I was watching out of the corner of my eye. Well, I, I think it was more so the second half that Ole Miss felt like they were not getting some of those calls. One that was particularly interesting was an over the back, and I think uh, you know that, that that's the one that really got got Kermit going, and then uh, to be to call a charge on a desperation shot that's about 30 feet out uh, with, I guess, what, a second, one and a half seconds left on the mm-hmm. clock. Uh, you normally don't get that call. It's normally a no call, and, you know, I, but they blew the whistle. And if you blow the whistle, you think, okay, well, you know, he didn't get him a chance to come down. That's one of the points of emphasis. So guy, offensive guy goes up, you have to give him an opportunity to come down. And they didn't even call that. They called him a charge. So, yeah, that got, that got Kermit a T. <laughs> Well, well, speaking of bad calls, we know uh, the the fallout of the NOLA no call has been the subject of pretty much all scrutiny in the NFL over the last month or so. And the competition committee has met the last couple of days. And, well, Deuce, I think you and I talked about this before, and certainly I was telling my audience, nothing's going to happen. This competition committee moves at a molasses pace. They're not going to change anything because of the NOLA no call. And what do you know? Today, John Mara, uh, the owner of the Giants, says there's not enough support. Uh, Rich McKay of uh, the Falcons, he's the uh, chairman of the competition committee. He kind of echoed those sentiments. Are you, are you frustrated by the lack of any movement on this? No, I don't think you're frustrated. I mean, because if you watch the NFL do anything, they, they're not going to move at the pace that you would hope. You know, you're frustrated more so because of um, you were the team that was involved with the last bad call. I think there will be something. You know, I don't think that they're going to change how they operate from an official standpoint. But I know, you know, you just go back and you read some of the stuff that even Elway had said, you know, even today. They want to make sure that what happens in New Orleans doesn't happen again. So uh, as far as overruling the official or how they operate in that sense, they're not going to change. But I do expect them to still uh, be able to alter something uh, so that doesn't happen or occur to any team anymore. How do the players – view the the officiating and the replay system right now and what are their thoughts on on the expansion of that or changes they might make to make the officiating and replay system better i'm always curious about the you know the players perspective on this well the players have to play the game i mean you, you you control what you can control and as you going out and playing the game um you know you may not agree with the call as far as a ref and you may ask them to look for something on a particular play or you know this guy is doing something to me but at the end of the day you've got to go out and play you can't uh, you can't particularly worry about well if this ref is going to call this or is he not going to call this. I have to go out and play. I mean, and so you never want to leave it into the ref's hands as far as them having to call a play or uh, depending on them to make a call. I mean, you you just have to go out and play. It's Deuce McAllister, former Saints running back, with us here on WWL now at D McAllister twenty six on Twitter. What's going to happen with Mark Ingram, man? I know you're pretty close with Mark. Um, I think most of his teammates want him back. Most of the fans here want him back, but it's a money issue, right? 
Well, it's going to always be, it comes down to money. It's always going to be about money. And, you know, the question will be, I know his reps and the Saints are talking this week up at the uh, Combine. So we should know a little bit more after this week, you know, whether they can agree upon something or they're going to let, let him test the market. But it's always going to come down to money. And, you know, I don't think Mark is going to want to try to break the bank, but he wants to be compensated fairly as well. And so, you know, the question that they're going to be, okay, well, you know, you're talking about a 29-year-old running back. He doesn't have the touches, doesn't have the wear and tear. But at the same time, you know, if he hits the open market, you've got three or four teams out there that have a lot of money, you know, and are, are they going to throw that money at him and, you know, put him in a decision or a tough spot to say, uh, yeah, you know, I'm going to end up leaving. And then the other part of it is, with his agency and uh, everybody being up in uh, Indianapolis, how many, how much, uh, and, and we can call it illegal all we want, but how much pre-tampering has already gone on? You know, how much tampering from other teams has already gone on? And it happens, you know, legally it's not supposed to until March 11th, but trust me, you get all 32 teams up there at the same time like they are now, uh, you, you, you can guarantee that they kind of are laying the groundwork for different deals to be had. Well, speaking of laying the groundwork, uh, Michael Thomas, his uh, pending extension uh, possibly uh, certainly in the spotlight. The Saints can extend him um, this offseason, but he's going to command Odell Beckham Jr. money. I haven't asked you this yet. I've asked everybody else, Deuce, but is Michael Thomas worth the $20 million a year he's going to want? Well, I, I think he's going to be in that 18 to 19 million. You know, I don't think that they get him the 20, uh, whether it's a base deal, but I think he's going to be in that 18 to 20 million range uh, easily. And you know, I, I think he's he's worth it. You know, I just think he's worth it. He's been able to prove it. He's been a a good teammate. He's come out. He's worked. He's worked extremely hard. You know, it, it, it'll always until, and, and I'm not trying to force Drew out, but. You know, until Drew retires, it'll always be, well, is it the quarterback or the receiver? You know, but right now at this point in time, you have a young receiver that has produced at the highest level. And, you know, some of the things that he's done, he's, he's shattered the record book. And uh, you've had other receivers here, and they were not able to accomplish some of the things he has. And I just think that they're at the point where they're going to have to pay him. All right. And, he, about and the that. one thing with Michael, Michael Thomas is he has an agent now. At one point, he had – he left his agent, and this was within the last month, month and a half or so, and he went with another agent in the agency. So uh, he does have an agent now, so you know, I, I expect them to at least have some type of conversation. Now the question becomes, do they, are they able to strike a deal? I mean, because the unfortunate point in all this, this, this discussion is I think the longer the Saints wait, the higher the price is going to go. And not going the, the Richard Sherman, Russell Okung route with no agent there. Uh, that's some of the Saints' in-house decisions they have to make. Outside of house, Deuce, free agency always so intriguing. Saints will have a little bit of room, uh, a little bit of money to play with here. Not a lot, but a little bit. Uh, holes, uh, certainly a tight end, maybe receiver. What do you call a lot? I mean, we're, 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 digging, we're dealing with Mickey Loomis economics. So, I mean, um, <laughs> well, he didn't have a lot last year. He didn't have a lot last year, right? Yeah, I think I, mean, I saw he, 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 He's got he's got roughly what about ten ten million eleven so million under the yeah. cap yeah yeah after yeah. Kurt Coleman I think it's ten right right at about ten yeah over there. yeah some, some somewhere in there and he probably got some more I don't I haven't seen how they officially designated Kurt whether he's a June one he would have picked up a little more as far as savings are concerned there but even even if they needed more cap space 
they can they can convert a few bonuses where you're talking about Armstead, Cam Jordan, so a couple guys that they can convert some bonus money and even even Drew, uh, if you want to kick that can down the down the road a little bit further, if they're a player or a few players that they want to sign, they can sign those guys. Who are some of those guys, man? You'd like to see them at least take a look at. Well, I mean, I, I, I think everyone is in agreement. You've got to figure out the tight end position, losing Ben Watson, getting uh, some young blood in that room, whether it's via the free agency and or the draft. You know, I think also when you, you did release Kurt Coleman, uh, they are going to try to target, you know, another safety, whether that's free agency or the draft. It really depends on, um, you know, funding. I mean, it's going to come down to dollars. And then obviously a, a, a third receiver, you know, you can go the expensive route, uh, or you can go on the cheaper side when you talk about a guy like uh, Humphreys out of Tampa Bay. And, uh, the expensive route is probably a Golden Tate or Orlando um, from Green Bay. So, I mean, uh, those would be over the top. It would, you know, I think it would solidify you. But at the same time, you know, it would it would make things really, really tight uh, as far as, you know, some extensions for some of the guys that you want to sign as well. Uh, your own players, Robertson, Banjo, some of those guys, you've taken care of uh, Hardy and some other guys, you know, even Will Lutz, even Will, Will is restricted, though, so you want to at least get a deal done for him also. I'm curious about the quarterback position. You know, the new NFL economics and free agency, you know, in the last couple of years it shifted where you can find starting quarterbacks, whether at least capable or sometimes elite guys in free agency or the trade market. That didn't happen before the last handful of years. Do you think that changes how they approach the end of uh, Drew's time here in New Orleans where maybe they don't feel necessary, like they have to have the, the guy in waiting on the roster when he retires? Well, I mean, obviously the big question becomes what do you do with Bridgewater? I mean, what 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 is the market going to be with Bridgewater? You know, you, you start looking at a few teams and it looks like Foles is going to be available and the team that he's looking to be married to is going to be Jacksonville Jaguars. And so now you just start to move some of those pieces around. You know, Denver is off the market. They were able to get their quarterback and uh Joe Flacco and so that that that's another place, you know, and Arizona has a young quarterback, but they also have the first pick, you know. You look at uh Derek Carr out at the Raiders, they have Car, but you know what? What direction do they want to go? Washington, you know their quarterback Alex Smith. He's coming off an injury, but they they don't have any funds. You know they're in a worse situation than the Saints as far as funding is concerned. So, uh, can they really afford two big contracts with Alex Smith and Teddy Bridgewater? So those those are the chips that you start to move around, and it may be a situation where Teddy says, "Hey, look." You know, if you guys could meet X, I'll re-sign for one year. And, you know, that's where the Saints move move the funds around to make it work. But, you know, he's going to test that market as well, or at least his representatives are going to talk to people to see what that market looks like for him. It's Deuce McAllister, former Saints running back, joining us here in the, uh, Deuce, uh, Ole Miss. I saw a couple of bracketology updates today at Ole Miss at 9. Uh, same little quarter bracket as Gonzaga, man. So if that happens, we may have to have a little side bed going on. Man, the Saints don't want to see us. Nah, if we can <laughs> get in the and accept, that'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, man. All right, no problem. Thanks, Jeff. All right, Deuce McAllister on Twitter. Be sure you follow him, at McAllister 26 We'll break away. Coming back with your calls on the Saints, who would you like to see them target in free agency? What should they do with Michael Thomas and Mark Ingram? Plus, a live listening of LSU baseball as they take on Southern. They're up big. We'll head over to the box that comes your way next year on the last lap. I would like them to kick the tires on Earl Thomas. 
and pick up uh, uh, Smith Jr. from Alabama in the second round if he's available. Earl Thomas is interesting. Earl's going to likely wind up with the Cowboys. He said he wants to play for Dallas. It's his home state for a very, very long time. Try to facilitate a trade and force a trade from Seattle to Dallas, and that didn't happen. We know how it ended in Seattle. Highly unlikely he'll end up there. I would say it's Dallas. Uh, and remember, he would play the same position as Marcus Williams, and really there's no need for a free safety right now uh, in this Saints offense. UNO and Sam Houston playing over at the Lakefront Arena, number one and number two teams in the Southland. And right now, Sam Houston still leading the Privateers 69-58 to with 1.36 to play in that game. So it does look like Sam Houston going to go on to win this regular season conference title. But, hey, for the Privateers, you don't want to win this one. You want to win the one that matters. Uh, our Blue Runner Foods uh, Gumbo opinion poll, our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll, what's the Saints' most important position to target in free agency? Wide receiver, tight end, cornerback, defensive line, and linebacker. You can cash your vote at www.com or the radio.com app. LSU baseball also in action tonight, and boy, are they crushing it. 7-0 LSU, they're on their way to 8-0, 16-0. They lead Southern over at the box, and as promised, here's a live listen-in of the LSU Sports Radio Network with Chris Blair and company. To LSU baseball and Mikhail Hilliard on the mound for the Tigers who are leading 16 to nothing. We will have a couple more live listen-ins as the show goes along tonight, but LSU completely in control. Just want to remind everybody that we are your Mardi Gras information station, the Super Crew of Knicks, one of my favorite parades. They are rolling right now on St. Charles. We have everything you need to know at WWL.com. You can get the latest carnival news interview and weather forecast. You can find out celebrity headlines for each parade and get Arthur Hardy's parade previews, parade dates, route details about every carnival crew, plus parade rules and safety tips. Mardi Gras speak, our special language of carnival, future Fat Tuesday dates, Mardi Gras history, and lots more. WWL, your real-time connection to the greatest free show on earth, brought to you by Supercuts, ready every day, and by Sprint. Let the goods time roll with unlimited data, talk, and texts. Again, our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll. What's the Saints' most important position to target in free agency? Cast your vote at www.com, radio.com app. Breaking for news when we come back, Carter Bryant. Carter the Power, he's going to join us. He was in town for Mardi Gras last weekend. We'll talk LSU. We'll talk some Pelicans. More live listen-ins. We've got Sports Libs two-minute drill coming up also. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 